Hello everyone, welcome to my podcast on developmental bibliotherapy and cli-fi, helping to reframe young people's responses to climate change. This is part two. Activism, where hope rules. For many, concerns about the threat of climate change manifest as eco-anxiety, defined as the chronic fear of environmental doom. Some also experience an emotion described as a homesickness without leaving home or a loss of their sense of place, which Glenn Albrecht called solastalgia. Anxiety is a common emotion and can be a protective mechanism. Our evolutionary responses to anxiety of fight, flight or freeze are also symptoms of eco-anxiety. But eco-anxiety differs from most other forms of anxiety in that it is considered a rational, reasonable and appropriate response to the very real and existential threat posed by climate change. Some people refuse to acknowledge either that climate change exists or that it is caused by human activity. This could be likened to the flight response. Some people are overwhelmed, thinking that climate change is too distressing too difficult to understand or beyond their power to fix and refuse to even discuss or think about climate change. This could be considered the freeze response. For some, the response to eco-anxiety manifests as activism. This is the fight response. In the context of climate change, the fight response is considered to be the only adaptive and appropriate response to the existential threat posed by climate change. Because, unlike an imagined threat, neither the freeze nor the flight response has any chance of eliminating the source of the anxiety. For many climate scientists, eco-anxiety is akin to the despair felt by Cassandra, whose gift of prophecy was frustrated by the curse of not being believed. They watch as science is ignored in favour of populist alternatives that exacerbate the accelerating ecological destruction and make their own scientific predictions even more likely. For them, action has become the antidote to despair. Richard Eckersley identified three responses to fear of the apocalypse. Nihilism, fundamentalism and activism, where hope rules. All anxiety contains an element of hope, and hope cannot coexist with despair. As hope inspires climate action, and in turn climate action generated by one's peers can generate hope, people transform their anxiety into action as part of a united social mass of like-minded individuals who want to see a brighter future. Young people are already at the forefront of environmental activism. Their anxiety in the face of an uncertain future is appropriate and taking action is a healthy and proven way towards addressing their concerns. These young activists may not be the teens about whom parents and teachers should be most concerned. The Psychology of Denial While the psychology of climate change denial is complex, it is worth remembering that climate deniers are in the minority, that most governments are taking action on climate change, that denial is a maladaptive or unhealthy response to climate change, 
and that the most significant predictor of climate change denial is political affiliation. Stanley Cohen distinguishes between denial that is personal and psychological and denial that is organised and collective. He defines the first group of people as those who deny the facts to themselves for a variety of personal reasons. In the latter situation, facts are denied, manufactured or misrepresented to others by institutions, even when the truth is very well known. Reasons for denial that is personal and psychological fall into six broad categories. Fear, whether conscious or unconscious, may be a coping strategy related to self-preservation. We might find issues related to climate change are too upsetting or make us feel guilty or ignorant. Self-efficacy and agency make us question our ability to adapt, achieve meaningful change or even know who to trust. Identity, social, cultural, political, religious and community identity influence our personal responses to climate change. We want to fit in with the group and not be the one to rock the boat or be the party pooper. Perception of risk, the need to juggle demands that compete for time or money, or conflict with our self-interest and social status can determine what we are prepared to sacrifice at any point in time. Our education, whether a knowledge deficit or an information overload, our level of access and trust on this information will determine our confidence and willingness to act on that information. And finally, proximity to the effects of climate change, how close we are to being personally affected, either geographically or temporally, significantly affects our response. Whatever the reasons, the consequences of denial are dire. On individuals, denial can manifest as despair, numbness, apathy, nihilism and fundamentalism. We feel hopeless, powerless, paralysed, guilty, angry and confused. We suffer loss of self-efficacy, self-sufficiency, self-reliance and self-determination. On society, decadence or dogma rules. Self-interest plays out in what has been termed the tragedy of the commons, recognised as hoarding during pandemic lockdowns. And on the planet, cascading tipping points, running runaway climate change, social, economic and environmental systems collapse. Denial in the short term is a comfortable option, but denial in the face of the existential threat of climate change is thwarting the very actions needed to halt it. Harnessing the power of stories continued in part three.